It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. We are here to break down the week at camp in week 11. 11 weeks in already. There's there's a chill in the air. You know, we got our first snowfall up here in Green Bay. Uh, we're, we're starting to get late in the season. We're talking about Senior Bowl. Uh, we we're seeing who's who's going to be uh, participating in the Senior Bowl, who's getting invited. And, uh, I mean, God, it's getting late in the season. I'm excited. Yeah, I, when those invites, accepted invite tweets start coming out, you know it's it's almost that time. You can feel a little bit of that draft season itch happening. We're getting very close to it, the Senior Bowl now less than three months away. So, and uh, do you see who's going to be there? Did you see who's going to be there? Rasheed Rice. It's going to be a loaded, it's going to be a loaded group this year. How many seniors have we talked about on the show so far? And I mean, Rasheed is just one of many that are going to be there and might be a special year to go to Mobile. I think we've talked about a hundred seniors at least. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about, well, no, I don't know if we're going to talk about it anymore today, but what we are going to talk about today, uh, this was the week at camp for week 11, and we are going to start with the game that had my attention going into the week. It was the primetime ABC game. He was a huge matchup, uh, number four ranked TCU going up with Texas, so they're top 20, 17 or something. And kind of weird, like Texas was favored going into this game, and there was a little bit of like, is TCU for real? They're in the top four now in the playoff spot. And it was kind of a weird game. Uh, But a a running back took over the game, uh, played exceptionally well, had a 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the only touchdown of the game. Uh, And, oh, it wasn't Bijan Robinson. (laughs) It was the other running back, Kendra Miller, for TCU. So I want to talk about Kendra. We've talked, like you said, I think we've probably talked about 150 players. Uh, 120 of those might not matter. But tell me if Kendra Miller is a player we need to pay attention to. Well, I mean, he's a junior. He's on one of the best offensive teams in the nation, apparently, TCU. I mean, they started off a little shaky, but, I mean, since probably about week five on, they've been a powerhouse. And Kendra Miller has been a part of that, uh, has had 100 yards in, since week seven every game. Uh, so, I mean, I, I didn't love him, honestly, when I was watching this game, but I, he – he goes forward, he finds the hole, and in on his 75-yard touchdown particularly, he set up his blocks really well. He broke the angles of a linebacker and a safety, which is kind of what you got to do to uh, break a touchdown that long. So he's obviously doing something right, but uh, I don't know if he has that like special component that we see out of a few guys in this class, especially since it's such a deep running back class. Yeah, I mean... We've gotten a little, maybe, maybe overzealous at times. I mean, it's, it's a process, right? We're in the weeds. We're in the midst of college football. It's very difficult to 
sort of orient yourself around arching draft narratives and how to, you know, order these players when you haven't sat down and watched the film. So when we talk about a guy like Kendra Miller, I was approaching this conversation very cautiously because I didn't want Kendra to be just another guy, another little red dot on the radar screen going beep, 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 where everybody's on the radar. So I watched as much Kendra Miller as I could find going into this one. Uh, I watched all the videos out there, you know, trying to have an analytical view of the player. And what I came away thinking about Kendra Miller is that this guy is like an Aaron Jones clone. Oh my! Like, like down to the down to the mannerisms, down to like how Aaron Jones is like. I once called Aaron Jones a buttered up bagel. And I don't know what that means, but what I was trying to convey is that he's a very slippery player. And Kendra has that, where it's like he's in traffic, he's kind of in the thick of it at the line of scrimmage, and he just kind of slides out, and then he's like kind of tumbling and like falling over guys and ends up getting like three additional yards just because he keeps his forward momentum going and he's like rolling around in midair. So it was like we it was a really weird experience and I and I'm sure that there's an unconscious part of me that sees the short little, you know, the braids and the number 33 and I'm like is this Aaron Jones? But <laughs> it was it was really weird to me to see kind of a, a lot of what I like, you know, obviously Aaron Jones is an incredible NFL player. I'm not trying to say that uh, you know, Kendra is on that level necessarily, but I was I was honestly really impressed with what I saw. I I could really see this guy sort of, you know, breaking through this this white noise of the 2023 running back group. It's it's interesting cuz he was behind Zach Evans last year. Yep. On this that that TCU team and then Zach Evans transfers away and then they are giving him a full workload and I mean as of week seven, like I said, he's been getting 20 carries a game and turning it into a, a hundred yards. And I mean, you talk about Aaron Jones and the thing that was special about Aaron Jones early in his career was that every single attempt, it was six yards. And that's, that's almost exactly what Kendra is doing. And he, he is very slippery and he can you know, find space which is is really nice. I, I don't know if he's got the the type of kind of speed that Jones has. I mean, but it, like you said, you're not saying Kendra Miller is Aaron Jones, but he does have some of the same qualities. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's a guy he like he doesn't run with a ton of power. Like a guy like Aaron Jones doesn't either, but Aaron Jones kind of has a stiff arm that he can go to if he has to. Um, didn't really see much of that with Kendra, but he has that same sort of, you know, get him into open spaces. Like when we, you get Aaron Jones out wide on a toss play and just let him see what's in front of him, let him find the right gap and then make that one cut to turn, you know, the five yard play into the 15 yard play. And I just, that kept coming up with Kendra where you get him into that open space and he's got that killer, just one cut move. Uh, and then just really, really shifty, really loose hips. It's very fluid for him. 
uh, to basically just kind of make guys melt out there where they're not really sure what he's doing. He's almost like out of control a little bit, but that's kind of what it is with Aaron Jones sometimes where you see him kind of just very loose, very nimble. And I don't know. I, I, I was impressed. I was really impressed with Kendra Miller. Well, you see what he's doing and then juxtapose it to what Bichon was doing on the other side, and he had a pretty bad game. And it was almost like, oh, yeah, I would, this this is like, if you if this was the first game that you watched this season of college football, you'd be like, yeah, Kendra Miller's better. <laughs> you know? Like, he just, but, I, yeah, just straight up. But I, that that's why we're talking here. It's Man, I literally in. saw that take on Twitter. I saw the take because I was like, I searched Kendra Miller, like trying to find some clips. Like what are people saying right now? Uh, and there were literally people being like, obviously Kendra Miller is better than Bijan. I mean, just look at the game. This is the best running back in the big 12. I'm like, dear God. Uh, yeah. You go into this game looking for Quentin Johnson versus Bijan. And I mean, Quentin Johnson looked damn good, but Kendra Miller also stood out. Yeah, it's man, the the 2023 running back group. I mean, I'm genuinely curious when we get to the postseason aspect of this and really start breaking it down and putting numbers behind these guys names. I mean, I'm just genuinely curious to see, you know, how much of the hype is is legit because it just feels like it is. And every time a new guy kind of comes into the fold, it's like, damn, that guy's really impressive. And It's like suddenly there's 15 running backs that you're like thinking about going into the uh after the season to guys that are you know dynasty draft relevant potentially so that's i mean that's just crazy yeah this is going to be a deep deep class you're going to want to have picks going into the fourth just so you can capitalize on some of the value of some of these guys like just falling just because like not because they're bad not because they're bad landing spots just because there's not enough picks at this point. But uh, at the same time, we're also so locked in where we don't know if, like, Kendra Miller is really going to be, you know, a a third-round pick in Dynasty come August. Like, it's it's this push and pull that I keep having with myself that, like, yeah, this player's fun. You know, he's getting 100 yards a game. But if he's drafted in the fifth round by the Eagles, how are we going to feel, you know? Well, and I mean, it's so, yes, but there's there's layers to this process. I know, I know. And I think it's like it's really hard right now because, like, we're – 10 months, nine months away from drafting. And we have an NFL draft in between, you know, it's like, yep. and that's going to influence so much. So I think right now, like I keep trying to remind myself like, Hey, we're going to know a lot more than we do right now. When we get into the player, the positional group rankings at once right. the season ends, we're going to come back after, you know, turn of the year, 2023, we're going to get into January and we're going to start getting back into the positional groups. That's when it's really all going to come come, you know, to fruition. With all of the all of the buzz, all the like, hey, what's this guy's story? This guy might be a sleeper. Might come back here in 2 months and say, "Yeah, I don't like that guy at all." <laughs> like I don't right. I did not like his tape. So, 
it's everything's kind of with a grain of salt right now, but it, you know, it's as much of, you know, seeing a player like Kendra Miller doing some crazy things. And you're like, I gotta, I gotta mark that down. I gotta watch him later. Just make sure. And, and I don't, you, you wouldn't, you would not have gotten that last year. You just wouldn't have there. There were not guys last year going into the 10, 12, 15 uh, range in the running back category that you could even say, I'm going to keep this guy around uh, to watch him because it just, the talent was just not there. Yeah, I mean, there was, what, five, maybe six relevant running backs in last year's class, and it was like, after that, it was basically nobody. I mean, you had your your Brees, Ken Walker, Rashad White, and then Damian Pierce and James Cook. And then after that, it's like, yeah, we're going to take a flyer on whoever, like, if you're going to try to go for a running back, so... I don't know. I might be forgetting somebody, but I don't, I don't. I can't think anybody. Well, you're forgetting Isaiah Spiller, but that's okay because he uh, kind of right. got forgotten <laughs> in the yes. class as it yes. was. But Austin Eckler's handcuff, right? right. <laughs> um, well, okay. This perfect segue here because we're going to talk about another running back in this class. Uh, Mo Ibrahim uh, is streaking right now. He's running through the yard at camp dynasty. Uh, this is 18 consecutive hundred plus yard rushing games for Ibrahim. Um, obviously missed, uh, almost the entirety of the 2021 season. So this goes way back. I believe all the way to 2019, uh, was the last time he didn't have a hundred yards in a football game. Um, I mean, it's, it's insane. He scored his 50th career touchdown in this game this week against Northwestern. I mean, a legendary, you know, Minnesota big 10 college football, even running back here. Um, and just another running back in the, in the (laughs) conversation here that we're going to have to figure out the last time he did not have a hundred yards in a game was week 14 of 2019. And he didn't pass. He only passed the hundred yard mark one time in that season. It was in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, but yeah, this season he's just been, I mean, running over everybody. I mean, uh, Mo Ibrahim. You, you had the the comp Aaron Jones for Kendra Miller. I got James Robinson on one point two speed for Mo Ibrahim because this is he doesn't do a lot you know like when he's running he doesn't do a lot but he makes people miss and he gets every yard that he's supposed to and then probably one or two more just because he falls forward every time and some of the production is based solely on the volume especially as of late I mean 36 carries against Northwestern 32 36 30 in his last four games uh but i mean he's getting four or five yards of carry because he's gonna run through your face he's gonna break one run for like 25 30 yards and uh, they they give him the ball basically every play in the red zone so mo is gonna get 100 yards and a touchdown in every single game and you can book that 
Man, I'm glad you said the James Robinson comp because I was thinking the same exact thing. And I was like, is it just because they both tore their Achilles? Like, is that just in the back of my brain when I'm watching <laughs> him? Be. But I, I, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think that's if I had to if I had to wager a guess right now, I would say that's probably what it's going to be for Ibrahim. This will probably be a day three guy for me. Um, but again, day three in this class, those aren't guys that you can just, you know, push off the, off your plate and, and forget about them. Like last year. I mean, yeah, you had, you know, guys, uh, going on day three last year that were like known names, but they weren't guys that you're like, "Eh, this guy's pretty, pretty good. This year, it's going to be like that. I think Ibrahim, you know, maybe he's a fourth rounder, maybe even later, but he's got talent. He absolutely has talent. Absolutely, yeah. I I think he's a good uh, pass protector as well, which is valuable. I mean, he doesn't really catch passes, so you got to be, like, useful on third down one way or another if you're going to be on the field consistently. And I, he can pass protect pretty well, you know, better than a lot of the guys in this class that are, like, super talented runners. So I think he could carve out a role one way or another. I mean, it, he's getting 150 yards on the ground every game. And there, There's some way an NFL team can find a, find a use for him. Another running back, uh, Zach Evans. Mentioned him earlier in our conversation about Kendra Miller. Why is that? Because this is the guy who was in front of Kendra last year. And this is also a guy that got hurt a decent amount last year. Well, now in 2022, we're seeing the same thing happening with Zach Evans. And he was, you know, he's missing time. Judkins has been exceptional in in his absences, but is this something that you are concerned about with your evaluation of Evans? Do you kind of stamp that injury-prone label on a guy like this who's missing games in consecutive seasons, especially at the running back position? So uh, things that bother me the most when it comes to injuries are uh, joints, obviously, mostly knees. That's that's a big one. Feet are another big issue. Like Dalvin Cook, he had the ACL, but then he's had like shoulder injuries ever since. I don't really care. Like, oh well, you might pop it out when you try to truck somebody. They can just pop back in, throw it in a harness, and you're good to go. They're football players. They're tough. They deal with that kind of thing. Uh, and Zach Evans leaves this game with a concussion, which is obviously really bad. Like concussions suck but you also can recover from a concussion and play basically as good as you were in most cases uh he did have the knee injury uh that prevented him from playing the lsu game and last year he had the foot injury those those are what concerns me if those keep lingering and you know it starts to become more of a problem but so far the foot injury doesn't seem to be lingering it doesn't seem to be an issue uh the the knee thing though where he he just kind of doesn't play gets the you know inactive against lsu and then plays only 27 snaps against a&m that that's when you like that that's what concerns me but 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't say injury prone. He doesn't seem like a fragile guy when he's running. Um, there's some guys that like they take the hit and they're just slow to get up. Like it's always, oh yep, Zach Evans slow to get up. You know, you, there, there's those guys that you just associate with that. Um, but it, it doesn't actually seem like Evans is one of those guys. So I don't know if I'd, I'd you know, label him injury prone because he got concussed. Uh, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting to me. I mean, you, you see a guy like this miss time in back-to-back seasons. I mean, he's operating in a sort of limited capacity this year because of the talent that they have in the running back room in Old Miss. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say this completely changes my opinion on Zach Evans, but it it does put a, a sort of a little bit of a lingering thought in your mind when it's like I saw this guy as a potential, you know, three down, you know, elite running back prospect, like a guy that could literally be a franchise changing player. And, you know, if he, if he can't shoulder that type of workload, then that does change his, that does change his projection a little bit. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, like you said, the concussion or whatever, like it's not changing anything right now, but it is something that I'm that I'm thinking about, and it's going to be something I consider later in the season. I think. Yeah, it's definitely not nothing. Like it's not something that you can discard because it's a part of this player. It's, it's, the the like I said with like when injuries start to mount up like this early in a in a player's career, where you already have a knee, a foot. And then you're getting concussed. I mean, that means you're taking big hits. Uh, you're you're getting hit a lot. You're getting wear and tear already. And if you're going to invest a top five pick, top three, you know, dynasty rookie pick in this guy, you need to be sure that he's going to be good for five, six years. And if you're already drafting a guy with an injury history, it's harder to be confident in that. Yeah, and he's a guy that runs really hard too. Yep. So. That, that also plays into it, but just something I was thinking about this week when I was watching Judkins absolutely going off again. <laughs> what a freak. <laughs> oh, what a freak. Singleton, Judkins, is it 2025 yet? <laughs> um, all right, so that's kind of a little roundup of some running backs this week that were in the, you know, in the spotlight for some different reasons, but now it's time to do a little bit of eavesdropping because every now and then you got to kind of just put your ear to the wall and hear what, what are people talking about in the other cabin here at camp dynasty? What are, what are the other voices saying? Uh, Cause I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful to sort of indirectly collaborate and just see, you know, have these, I'm going to call them conversations just by seeing what is somebody else saying about a player? And am am I, you know, is my uh, internal biasy about a player maybe misguided? So we're talking this week about uh, the consensus big board rankings that just came out with the athletic literally a couple days ago. You're starting to see this more and more. We've been talking about it. The mock drafts are starting to pile up. The rankings are starting to pile up. Uh, and it's, it's you know, it's that time of the year. So 
few interesting notes I just wanted to get your opinion on. Let's start with the wide receivers because this has been one of the you know weirder parts of the draft here, trying to kind of lock down these guys. There were four wide receivers in the top 20 of this consensus ranking, which to me is pretty good. I mean, four top 20 talents. If you're talking about a down class, that's pretty, pretty good. Uh, number 11, wide receiver one, consensus, Jordan Addison. Do you feel vindicated? Uh, of course I do. I mean, <laughs> he was my wide receiver two before the season behind JSN. But, uh, I mean, he he's one of my favorite players to watch still. I My opinion on him hasn't changed very much. I mean, I still would put him two behind JSN, but uh, we got to see the kid play. I mean... I don't blame people for starting to move him down the board a little bit. I mean, but I think Ohio State's just being careful with him. But, yeah, Jordan Addison, he had, he was injured. He didn't play great in his return last game. But uh, he's been phenomenal all season as Caleb Williams' number one target. And, I, I mean, it feels good to have had him at least in my top five uh, preseason okay <laughs> never gonna live that one down <laughs> no when he's a you know four-time all pro in 10 years and we can come back to it just remember it's not how you start it's how you finish we're gonna get it all on the on the train tracks when we lock in our final <laughs> final rankings next summer that's right um next was one spot, one spot later, number 12 on the big board. This one surprised me just because the, from what I can glean, the public narrative has really started to sour. And that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like you said, we just have not seen him play all year long. And whether it's that or whether it's, you know, whatever else is going on, there's just been a lot of negativity. And and by negativity, I mean, like, is this guy a first rounder or is he just a really good, you know, second round player? Like, it's not like this guy sucks. It's just like we both had him wide receiver one in the preseason. And we just haven't seen him play. He's wide receiver two here, but a lot of other places he's wide receiver four. So what do you, I mean, what do you, what do you take away from that? Well, it's so annoying that you see what this player can do as a sophomore. I mean, imagine like what Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing right now at a little bit lesser scale, obviously. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't play next year. And then we're like, ah, you know, he, he might not be a first rounder. No, people are saying Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in college football. And I don't know if I disagree, but the like Jackson was one of these guys where we're talking about, oh, yeah, he could be a top 10, top 15 NFL draft pick come, come you know, April. And now he's not a first rounder. Now he's the wide receiver two in the class, like because what he hurt his hamstring. He hasn't put anything on tape to make him a worse player. The only thing that you worry about now is can you stay healthy, 
And I think that's why Ohio State has been holding them out for as long as they have because they want to, you know, pump his draft stock once he does come back fully healthy and then get him to back to being, you know, 150 yards a game next to the best wide receiver in the nation, Marvin Harrison Jr. So what I have seen as the main criticisms, and this these are not, you know, my own – this is not my opinion. I'm just the messenger here. Limited because he's a slot-only player. It caps his upside. And that's it. That's all I've heard. And that was enough to drop him from this elite – Wide receiver, putting up ridiculous stats. I mean, go back to last year, man. Go back. That's what I'm saying. Go back and just listen to what people were saying about Jackson Smith and Jigba in a, in a, on a team that had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. People are saying, this guy might be the best guy on the team. Now, suddenly, he's just he's a slot guy. He's, he's just, you know, he is what he is. Solid, solid player. I I don't know. It's like I, I that doesn't do it for me because that's I mean, I'm not worried about that. Like I I have confidence in this guy. Even if he even if you do contain him mainly to the slot, I mean I I just I don't see how that's a major major problem. I mean it's this is this is the most frustrating thing that's come out of this football season for me is that people can't understand that, you know, players don't have to – like, you can take the the early breakout thing and run with it, but if you just watch the games with your eyes, he looks better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson – look great in the NFL. So what evidence is there to suggest that JSN won't be good in the NFL? Like I I don't see the connection that people are making. Like it I just I need him to get back on the field so we can stop doing stupid shit like this. Cuz I love Jordan Addison. I'm the biggest Jordan Addison guy I know. <laughs> But Jackson is a lot better than Jordan Addison. And, uh, uh, yeah. And, I mean, with in fairness to the athletic, we haven't seen him all season, and they have him ranked basically the same as Jordan Addison. So, respect to them for not being dumb and throwing him out into the garbage because we haven't seen him play. Well, see, that's the, that's the tricky thing here is I – I chose this because this is an aggregated consensus. This is yeah. not one person's opinion. This is taken for, I they didn't say how many, but a number of different places. I've seen Jackson as low as 24, you know, 28. I mean, there's he's he's in this sort of like weird territory where if you if you just approached the draft not knowing anything, and you just pulled up a, an article, a big board, you'd see Jackson. He's like the fourth wide receiver down there. 
People are calling him a solid slot guy, uh, not a great athlete, but uh, excels from the slot. You would think he's just some random, you know, cool. Yeah, cool. Like, like you'd think he's like Tyler Boyd. Yeah, like little, uh, yeah, exactly. Like somebody that's like, you know, low ceiling, uh, you know, capped upside, not a guy that I'm super interested in. That's what that's what it's being made to sound like right now. And I just I cannot I cannot agree with that. Yeah. And same. I I mean I think I think one of the other things here, but this is interesting because the number three wide receiver on this list is Quentin Johnston. He comes in at sixteen. Now, again, this is a little weird because I don't think I've seen a mock draft or a, a big board or a ranking, whatever. I don't think I've seen one in the last two weeks where Quentin Johnston was not ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba. It has almost become from what I can tell a unanimous sort of transition. A, a lot of people have Addison up there as wide receiver one. A lot of people have Quentin Johnston as wide receiver one. Nobody has Jackson as wide receiver one. But in this case, Quinton comes in behind Jackson, and this is, this is a uh, you know an interesting conversation to have as well. You know, has Quinton done enough to to put himself higher than a guy like Jackson this season? Right, and the, this is where it comes down to what do you want in a receiver? Because at, there's if you are looking for an X receiver that can win at three levels that can, you know, run after the catch. I have no problem with you putting Johnson as your number one because he is the prototype freak X receiver. So like, if that's what you're looking for in a guy, no problem with you taking him as wide receiver one. I I mean, but in my opinion, again, I'll say it again, like JSN's my one, Addison's my two. Johnson has put himself in my three spot just because he has dominated and has been impressive while he's been doing it. But I mean, again, I'll say kudos to the people that did this because they aren't insane and they haven't forgot about (laughs) how good JSN is, but also I'm happy that Johnson is as high as he is because he has shown what we've wanted to see. I mean, after the first couple games, which, you know, he wasn't playing a ton of snaps and we don't know if there's an injury involved, whatever. So I'm happy that he is as high as he is in this and that he's getting a lot of respect because he's a talented football player and he he deserves all the the flowers he's getting. Uh, Do you feel vindicated? I do. I do. (laughs) I mean, it, it, it has been... It has been a best. Uh, th- what Quentin Johnson has done this year is exactly what I wanted to see from him. It was exactly what I needed to see going into the year. I had him at number three, wide receiver three, with the expectation that he could take a step forward from his 2021 tape, and he has done that. And he's not wide receiver three for me right now. I don't know. I don't know if he's wide receiver one. I don't know if he's wide receiver two. I'm not ready yet to say either way, but he, it, it's one of those two. I feel very strongly that Jackson and Quinton will be my top two wide receivers. 
in some way. Johnson's going to be your number one. Maybe. He will. He will. (laughs) I know it. I could feel it. Because when I I said, if you want the X receiver that's a freak athlete that can win at all three levels, I I know who I'm talking about. What else do you need? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Kayshawn. Kayshawn made it in the top 20 on this. 18. I... I don't know. I, I, again, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like how do you even approach this player this year? I've seen him in the second round of mock drafts these days. I mean, this guy might have been a top four dynasty pick. Maybe he's available at the back end of the first round now. I mean, I I have no idea, but he he survived here. He made it into the top twenty. So you said you you saw exactly what you needed to see from Johnson. I have seen the opposite from Kayshawn. And I like I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I'm gonna because, you know, I'm I'm looking at the whole list and it's Kayshawn's eighteen. A guy that we'll ex you know, expand upon later in the show. Josh Downs is thirty eight. I just don't understand what's going on here. I mean, even as LSU has hit their stride offensively and just kind of as a team in general, Kayshawn has not gotten, has not shown that he deserves to be this high. And I, I mean, the talent's there, but there's something missing. Something's not, you know, two and two are not adding up to four at this point. Uh, Downs is going to be another guy, I think, that gets dinged from this for the slot stuff. I mean, but there, there's no way that the tier break, for me, there's no way that the tier break is like 20 spots with these guys. I mean, there's just no way. And again, I don't even know where I'm going to have Kayshawn. This is my number two wide receiver going into the season. I have no idea where he is for me right now. It's going to completely depend on, on what this season has looked like because it hasn't looked productive it hasn't looked fun it's just what is what is the problem here but i don't i mean it's going to be weird it's going to be weird i i was just kind of i was almost shocked to see the four wide receivers still up there in the top 20 but i mean they're they're getting drafted high that that is the contemporary nfl you're going to see this more and more where I think teams, even wide receivers that maybe don't necessarily fit the bill, those guys are going to start going really high in the draft, I think, because we have now seen how important it is to have that game-breaking talent at the wide receiver position. It has become a necessity, uh, I mean, more than it has ever been. Are we uh, drafting the jersey a little bit here? With Kayshawn? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I like I, are we looking at LSU's quote unquote wide receiver one and just being like, well, I mean, it worked out a few times. But why not give it another shot? It, I uh, mean, it very well might be. He's a, he's a great he's a phenomenal athlete. He is a phenomenal athlete, and that is yeah, something so is that everybody else. Right, but I mean, it's one of those things where it's like he has 
he has some film out there that makes you say, damn, <laughs> like if this player was out there every week. Yeah. I'm not it's, saying that I, I know, I know, I get I, it, I get you know. it. Uh, it's just so, it's it's frustrating to see him in the top 20 and other guys that are week in and week out dominating, not getting very much love. Yeah, I I know. I mean, it, and but it all goes back. It's like box score. What are you gonna do about it? You know, the production. It's fun. It's cute. But like, is it the be all end all? No. And so, Kayshawn is probably still going to be drafted very highly. Uh, just like Brian Kelly said when we ripped on him the other week. It's, it's like this guy has the athletic traits to be a, a highly drafted receiver. Now, will that mean that he is a successful receiver at the NFL level? Absolutely not. So that kind of factors in with another wide receiver that's flying up the draft boards right now that I don't necessarily agree with uh, with Jalen Hyatt. But let's talk about running backs real quick. There was two in the top 50 of this consensus ranking. Bijan came in at number six. Love that. Yep. And Gibbs came in at number 23. And those were the only two running backs in the top 50. I mean, the- I get it. I, I, I totally understand where they're coming from. Uh, I, they're, there's a lot of running backs in this class and the, we are are honed in on a lot of running backs because we're we're focusing on dynasty and fantasy but i think that Bijan and Gibbs are have separated themselves as the two best running backs in this class i i think Gibbs has been a little disappointing uh versus what we expect but through the air he's been extremely impressive and he's had a few games where he's flashed on the ground and i i think that there's been issues with zach evans he got his job stolen by a freshman i think sean tucker is a lot of fun and he could be on this list i think like charbonnet his old line is really good i mean there there's a lot of they're awesome but uh, and this is a list of 50 both skill players and non-skill players, and there's a lot of good players in this class. So I, I understand other running backs are not making the cut. I don't, I don't agree <laughs> with that at all. I don't, it, you cannot, no person can convince me that if you are selecting 50 guys out of this class that there are not at least, at least three running backs. I mean, there's no question about it. We can't sit here every single week. And I understand that it's dynasty focus and this is, you know, the NFL big board stuff. Bijan's at six. This is not a mock draft. This is who are the best players in this class. There is no chance in hell that these running backs that we're talking about, some of them don't get into the top 50. I mean, Zach Evans 100% should have been in this list. No doubt about it. Charbonnet, he's on the cusp. I, I'm not going to call him a top 50 talent, but he's he's there. He's on the cusp. Uh, and, you know, the other guys, it's it's kind of a take your pick. 
I've and I've seen I've seen uh, big boards where there are guys that are you know the Blake Corums the uh, the Sean Tuckers you know these kind of players are sneaking into the top fifty or you know the top two rounds of a draft or whatever. There's just no way to me to see this class in in terms of running backs and say yeah no these 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 guys after Robinson and Gibbs they're they're fine. They're like third round players. Like, no, they're absolutely not. I I agree. <laughs> first of all, I I think that there are I, when I'm trying to look at this from just a pure NFL big board NFL draft perspective, because you know it, it's so so easy to get caught up in like this whole fantasy football thing where we're like and i just think that the nfl is so it it, it like it's so hard to get four running backs in the top two or i guess not four four is probably the right number for the top two rounds but i i do feel you in a class like this where apparently blake corum is the best player in college football and then you have like this uber talented players like Sean Tucker and Zach Evans, and then the consistent dominators like Zach Charbonnet and you know Mo we were talking about before, where there there should be more than two in the top fifty, but like I I understand the tier break after Jameer and Bijan, and I I get where they come from when they're like. I don't know if the NFL is going to be as high on some of these running backs as maybe they should be, but I, I mean, but I mean, like that's the thing. It like are would I argue that there's going to be four running backs taken in the top two rounds? Maybe would I argue that there's four running backs in the top fifty best players in the class? Absolutely. Like right. that, that I think that is the disconnect where it's like, if we're looking strictly at like Bijan's at six, he's not getting drafted at six. Right. I'm, I, I gotcha. might put, I might put Bijan higher than that. Even I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it, it, to say that, you know, guys like Zach Evans are, you know, on a talent level fringe second rounders, n- no way, no right. chance. Yeah, I I guess because like looking at this, it's, I mean, Tanner McKee. Yeah, give me a know. oh man, we're gonna we're gonna have fun when we talk about quarterbacks <laughs> in the in the winter time. I'll tell you that because <laughs> like I don't know a ton about the O linemen and uh, a ton about the the D tackles. I know that Noah Sewell at twenty six is pretty high, uh, but outside of that. It, like we we can get one of these one more of these running backs in here. You could probably get two more of these running backs in here. Um but I mean I think there is a pretty big tear break after Bijan and, and Gibbs. This is <laughs> this is why you do this. This is why you tap in to somebody else's stuff and you say What's going on here? Because then it spawns these conversations of like, what is a top 50 talent? And what is wrong with these people? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, okay. Long way to go. Long way to go. A lot to learn. 
the last thing I wanted to bring up, though, is that Michael Mayer is a top 10 talent on this. Number eight, he's ahead of, of any wide receiver, and he's only behind Bijan in terms of the skill guys. I, Yeah, I, I don't know about that, honestly. But if we're going to do it again, if we're going to take a tight end in the top 10 or whatever again, I – Man, eventually NFL teams will learn. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Michael Mayer. Yeah. I I think he's the best tight end in the class by far. But uh, I don't know if he should be that high. I, I like that Will Levis is 14. Too high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Will. Oh, no. I... I'm so ready to talk about quarterbacks already. I have I know. so many takes burning holes in my pocket. Uh, but on that note, shifting away, fun little exercise on the on the current status of the media in terms of draft narratives. Quarterback class 2024. We're thinking about you. We're excited and we're ready to welcome you in to camp dynasty next year because well the quarterbacks this year have been flat out disappointing i'll say it after the top two has not been fun we're waiting on you caleb williams we're waiting on you drake may we're waiting on you quinn ewers come home i man i don't even know if the top two have impressed me that much if i'm gonna be 100 percent honest like cj stroud has been pretty solid you know, he's been consistent, uh, but it, I don't see a ton of improvement from last year. It, it's It seems like more of the same, which is fine because he was excellent last year. But, I mean, Bryce has – I mentioned it, I think, last week where the, the supporting cast isn't as good. But I, I'd like to see you elevate your supporting cast if you're going to be an NFL quarterback. But he shows great poise. He's been doing a lot of great things, accuracy, blah, blah, blah. But since they've been disappointing, you know, your eyes start to kind of wander a little bit. And then, you know, you're watching Jordan Addison and you're like, God, this 13 is a goddamn killer. Jesus Christ. And so, I I mean, Caleb Williams is incredible. Like he, my early, way too early 2024 big board. I mean, Jesus Christ, Caleb Williams is on top of that by far. And he, he looks like Kyler Murray, but huge. Like, if Kyler Murray could actually see over his lineman and he was the best player of all time, oh, that's Caleb Williams, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then Drake May, I mean, again, we're watching Josh Downs. And Drake May, I mean, the ball placement, the poise, the pocket management is superb for a sophomore. And... Yeah, I'm just excited to welcome this 2024 class with open arms uh, for these quarterbacks, and hopefully they can be as impressive next year or more impressive next year than they are this year. I'm excited to talk about Shadur Sanders. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be fun next year. (laughs) Jackson State gets put on the radar with a potential NFL uh, draft quarterback prospect. That's going to be fun bloodlines elite bloodlines so the, here here's my hope with with Shadur Sanders is he's really good 
the Falcons are really bad next year. The Falcons draft Shadur and then hire Deion Sanders, Ooh. fire Arthur Smith, <laughs> Holy. and uh, here we go, wheels up. You got it all figured out already. What are you? <laughs> I'm for it. Uh, all right. That's the week at camp. Lengthy. Yeah, the rankings. That really touches a few nerves when you start talking. <laughs> a little protective <laughs> over your over your own rankings a little bit. It's I'm already true. feeling that. But uh, let's get into the badge presentation this week. There was a lot of really, really good performances this week from some guys that, uh, you know, they're – They've been on the radar. <laughs> like I said, there's a million of these guys now, but uh, I'm starting off with uh, w- with a guy that we've talked about, I think a couple times now. I'm giving the Zay Maker badge <laughs> to Zay Flowers. <laughs> because, I mean, again, like I'm going to preface this, like I was saying with Kendra, like I'm trying really hard now because it's the late, part of the season we're getting very close to like having to really dial in and so i'm i'm approaching these things a little bit more cautiously now and and zay flowers man i i think he's really good i think he's really really good he's he's a playmaker absolutely 100 percent a playmaker he's got the requisite you know athleticism exceptional athlete and he elevated this boston college team this week up against a ranked opponent, North Carolina State. It was kind of an ugly game, you know, backup quarterbacks facing off with one another. But Zay was the MVP for Boston College. He had 120 yards and two touchdowns. He's making some really nice catches, some really nice plays, runs after the catch. Uh, he had a 35-yard drag route touchdown. Um, just he, he checks a lot of the boxes as a, as a guy that uh, – is gonna he's gonna have an NFL role 100 uh, percent and he's he's gonna be a guy that's I think ranked pretty highly for me yeah this he he definitely is a playmaker through and through where you get the ball in his hands and he's gonna do something with it and he can also stretch the field which is where I'm gonna 100 percent agree with you that he's definitely gonna be on an NFL roster for a long time just because of the fact that he can stretch it and he can scare a defense and you just like have to account for number four. And I mean, against NC state who is a ranked opponent, I mean, Boston college is not supposed to be competitive, but Zay flowers kept him in this game the entire time. I mean, made big play after big play. And uh, I don't remember if they got the upset or not. They finished they did. it off. They yeah. did. They finished it off. Yep. Yep. So Zay Flowers, MVP of this game. And, yeah, he's just play after play looks like a, a real player. And and one of the things that really, really impresses me about him is his versatility. I mean, this is a guy that he lines up every single week in the slot and outside. They move him around. They put him in positions to win and he can win from either area. He'll stretch the field from the outside, take the top off, beat somebody deep, make a really nice down the field catch, and then he'll line up in the slot and just run that quick little drag, and it's just better. He's just more athletic, faster, better in the open field, and he wins. And and that's one of the things where 
Uh, you know, you kind of see that with even a guy like Rasheed Rice, where it's like if they can line up in both positions, that is just adding value to their profile, and they're gonna they're gonna be able to get out on the field. I mean, that's sort of this like the lingering criticism here with Jackson Smith and Jigba and maybe Josh Downs, like players that are limited to a specific role. Now those players are exceptional at what they do. And that is why they are very, very highly ranked. But you get down on the list a little bit here. You find a guy that can win in multiple ways in multiple areas of the field that becomes a player that's very appealing. And and that's why I'm saying, man, Zay flowers. I think he's going to be not going to be top five, but he's going to be up there uh, on my list. Yeah, and he, just to highlight what you mentioned, he took two-thirds of his snaps out wide, took a third of his snaps in the slot. I mean, this is a 5'10", 175-pound player. Not a big guy by any means, but he can play outside, and he does, and he wins outside. So, yeah, very well-rounded player who's going to be able to find a role on an NFL team for sure. We've talked about him. I just mentioned him. He's been coming up a lot, and there's a reason for it. Give me your badge this week. So he's back. Uh, This is the halftime badge for Josh Downs. Because, I mean, I I was, you know, pulled up the, the games, looking at the game logs. And, you know, saw UNC Wake Forest. I was like, oh, how's uh, Drake May and Josh Downs doing? So I will go check the stats. I'm like, oh, Jesus, Josh Downs. He's got, you know, buck 20 and three touchdowns. I was like, this is kind of a low-scoring game. You know, I expected, you know, Wake Forest, UNC to be kind of a high-scoring game. And then it's halftime. Jesus Christ, Josh Downs. I so I didn't want to talk about Josh Downs again, unless he did something incredible, right? Because I was like, you know, we talk about Josh Downs every week. Talked about him last week. Talked about him, I think, two weeks ago. Let's maybe talk about maybe him it was every three week. weeks ago. Yeah, we basically talk about him every <laughs> week. Uh, but yeah, he I, eleven catches, hundred fifty four yards, three touchdowns at the end of this game. He had ten of those catches at halftime, three of the touchdowns at halftime, and he just. Game after game does the thing where it's like, oh, Josh Downs made one of the best catches of the day. Oh, Josh Downs ran one of the best routes of the day. You know, he's just always open. He had the nice little, uh, you know, Drake made the pump fake out to the screen. And then they send the, the fly up the seam. And Downs did the nice little fake block and then shook him and was wide open to the end zone. And, I mean, he had a really nice release off the ball where he just cooked a guy. I, I'm I'm finding, I'm trying to find different ways to describe how good Josh Downs is, and I'm, I'm running out. Yeah, that's – you said <laughs> it. You said it. I mean, there's there really is – I mean, w- this guy is so good and i we talked about it earlier where it's like there's not a 25 spot or whatever discrepancy here where you're getting into a situation where you know downs becomes the the leader of the next tier and he's a you know second round guy and like i don't think that's true i think this is absolutely a first round player 
And I think he should be in the conversation with some of the other top names in the class. I think he, sh- he belongs on the same tier. He does. I, there's no reason. There's nothing that you can really point to with Downs to say that he doesn't belong alongside of those other guys. Because obviously every player has their weakness. Every player has the thing where it's like you can get better at that. Downs is not an exception, but there there are those are limited. Those are limited things. And I saw it this week. This is the the highest rated player in all of college football against one on one coverage this year. He's an absolute savant when it comes to getting himself open. He is a route running savant and he will excel at the NFL level uh, against man coverage. I mean, he just will. So there's there's no reason for me to say that he sh- he doesn't belong in that conversation. Yeah, there are zero teams that would like there there are not 32 teams that should pass on Josh Downs. And like you should not let another team have Josh Downs. Like after the the top 2 guys go, top 3 guys go. You know, JSN, Addison, Johnston. After they go, Josh Downs should be shortly after that. And, you know, as as talented as Kayshawn theoretically is, Josh Downs is this talented. <laughs> we know it. We see it game in and game out. He wins every matchup. And, uh, like, are you telling me that there's not teams that if they could right now wouldn't go and, like, get Josh Downs and put them on their NFL roster today for the stretch run? Because I'm sure there are a few. So I I, I think that, that Downs will absolutely, should absolutely be a first-round pick and will whatever team he goes to at the Green Bay Packers will excel in a role. And we're going to have some fun later with landing spots and all that. But oh. Imagine this guy on the Chiefs. Oh, my God. It's going to be the range. I mean, yeah. he'll probably be a late first, later first round guy. Put him on the Chiefs, man. This guy, I mean, you, you, Don't you, do came, that. you uh. came out here. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> the, in theory, it makes sense because they you take a guy like Sky Moore last year and you want him to sort of, you know, be 20 percent of that and he's zero percent of it well take a guy like josh downs and i'd be willing to bet he could be 60 percent of that and there you go so 60 percent of what of tyree kill <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i think i mean they go out trade for Kadarius tony i think that that spot's oh, yeah. kind of filled for That's now a really nice move by them I love oh them. god he looks so good Talk about him later. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, all right. Defense. This week, I am handing out the Swiss Army Knife badge to Antonio Johnson, safety from Texas A&M. So, DBs, get them on the, get them on the program. We got a ton of edge guys. We got not a ton of linebackers. There is a handful of DBs to pay attention to from an IDP perspective, and this guy might be atop the list right now for me. Antonio Johnson, uh, this week he was 
an absolute menace. They were lining him up all over the place. It was hard to even like follow him. I'm like looking for him before every play. Like, where did Antonio go? Suddenly he's lined up on the edge. They're blitzing him off the edge. And I'm just like, what in the hell's going on? And then he gets a sack on that play. <laughs> it's like he, he had uh, he had a sack. He had uh, a couple tackles for loss, uh, like 10, 12 tackles or something. I mean, he was literally everywhere in this game, and he was playing that exact sort of role for a safety where your eyes kind of light up, and you're like, oh, this guy has that sort of, you know, he's playing in the box. Uh, let's let's pick him up. And this guy's probably going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. I mean, o- almost certainly he is uh, potentially safety one in the class. So this is uh, definitely the DB, in my opinion, to keep your eyes on. I, I've i been looking for who the DB is because, I mean, there's a few guys that get their name thrown around, uh, kind of – you know, hat in the ring kind of thing. Like Jordan Battle is is one of them out of Alabama, and I, I mean Antonio Johnson obviously is one of them as well. But it, I've been looking for one that's kind of flash. That's that's been like okay, this is a guy that I could see being a long term, you know, safety asset. And I, I think this this might be the guy. And because you look at what uh, the, you know, real top tier dynasty safeties are for a roster. And they are like complete game changers because there's not a ton of like hyper productive safeties out there. And like the, the one that comes top of mind is like Derwin James that they... He, he makes, like, every tackle for that defense, and then he also, you know, blitzes off the edge and, you know, whatever else. But I could see Antonio Johnson being that, like, not to the level of Derwin James, obviously. That's, like, one of the best safeties in the league. But being to the, the production idea of that, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to be everywhere. I'm going to be blitzing off the edge i'm gonna line up his free safety every once in a while i'm gonna be in the box i'm gonna be at strong safety i'm gonna be in the slot where he just is is kind of everywhere like you said swiss army knife yeah and i think it's kind of hard with dbs especially in terms of the draft where it's like you you're you're trying to find the guys that are going to play the roles that you need them to for them to put up the stats like every year it's like you're in your dynasty draft if you're drafting idps you're not you can't just pull up who's the best safety in the class you know because that doesn't always work if they're playing deep safety if you know if they're not going to be around the ball as much it doesn't matter guy like antonio johnson like you said he fits that mold of a derwin james of a jamal adams and i'm not making comps here but i'm saying like at the next level how should an nfl team deploy him to get the most out of his skill set and it's in that way it's around the ball. It's maybe even a, you know off the edge a little bit. It's it's moving him around. It's making him into that versatile chess piece. Uh, and so for me, that that is that checks every box where it's like this is a guy that you you need to pay attention to because it, it won't just be the tackles. It'll be the sacks. It'll be the picks. It'll be the big plays uh, that can that can make a an IDP DB superstar. 
Buda Baker also is is kind yes. of the the guy that came to mind. I was struggling to figure out who it was, but Buda Baker, kind of the guy that just like flies around and you know just seems to be around the ball no matter what, and you never know exactly where he's going to be play to play basis. It's kind of like that. I mean, obviously Antonio Johnson isn't like five foot one, hundred and sixty five <laughs> pounds like Buda Baker. No. Johnson Johnson's a big guy. I mean, he's he like six three, two hundred. Where that that could be a recipe for a, a fun safety to watch. Give me your DB badge for the week. This is a this is a blast from the past. The legend of the program. It is. Uh, this is the spy badge because Drew Sanders was the QB spy for most of this game against LSU. And he actually had a pretty bad time this whole game. He was kind of getting cooked a little bit on that zone read. He was the the quarterback man on the zone read, and he was a QB spy and a lot of scrambles. Um, and, and that's kind of a, a testament to the athleticism of Drew Sanders, I would like to say, because he is probably the only guy on that defense that they could have trusted to do that. And he... I had 12 tackles in this game. He had a sack, and that was due to the role that he was playing on this defense. And I just kind of wanted to give him a shout-out because I, I still think he's one of the best linebackers in this class. Uh, and, I mean, versatile guy, still getting on the D-line and rushing. Uh, not in this game. He was literally, I think, the entire game just spying. Uh, Jane Daniels so uh, I don't know I don't know Drew Sanders versatile player uh, interesting player I like him uh, but he's shown a a few weaknesses through this season I'm not entirely sure like what Drew Sanders is being projected as as an NFL talent but I think he's best suited to be projected as an edge guy I agree I mean, I, I think, like like you said, I mean, it was it, when he was playing the linebacker position, it didn't look that great. Right. But he's so athletic and he is, he's so effective as a pass rusher that just, just stick him on the edge, let him go to work. I mean, that I think that is ultimately what you're talking about here is a guy that is just, you know, the worst case scenario is you get into this weird area where he's like a tweener. Like you, you're, you can't trust him on the edge, but you also can't really trust him in the middle. I think put up, just commit to him on the edge. See what you got. See how he tests. I think he's going to test. Well, he's going to, I think he's going to be very athletic and uh, he, he's going to just be another one of these edge guys in the class. Uh, and one of the better ones, one of the better edge guys in the class. I, I agree. I mean, he has eight and a half sacks on the season, which is tied for sixth in college football. So, and that's him lining up, I mean, 10 times a game on the D line. So you can see the production, just the raw production, when he's hardly ever lining up as an edge player. And he's getting like four three four pressures a game uh, on top of those eight and a half sacks so um it just just a a very 
interesting player that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. You know, one of the there it is. He said it. Yeah, yeah. He said it. No, I agree. I think he's. I think he's one of the top guys to keep uh, to keep on the radar. And uh, I mean, it's a crowded edge class. So there's a lot of guys to keep straight. You know, keep straight here. What? Where are we at? That's going to come later. I mean, I am not prepared at all to talk about, you know, some of the, the later edge guys in this in this group. And by later, I mean like late first round NFL guys. Um, but I think Drew Sanders is, you know, amongst that group. I think he is in that sort of tier right now as an edge, as, just simply as an edge guy. I agree. Week 11. There it is. Week 11 at camp. I mean, man, so – we're taking this thing through the 14 weeks. You get to the end of week 14, college football transitions into the fun period with the Army game, and then we get the bowls, and then we get all that. We're going to hit week 14, which is now three weeks away, and then it's over. We're we're just j- jumping right into it. It's time to it's time to tur- put up or shut up with uh, with all these guys all of uh all the guys on the radar all the guys we're keeping our eyes on like let's finally put pen to paper here and make some definitive statements i'm ready for it i'm so ready i I can't (laughs) wait to get into like actual draft season where we're getting all the takes circulating and I mean, we did our our little exercise where we orient ourselves versus how the experts are ranking their big boards and I mean, we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of that after the uh, the college football season. Definitely. And we got a little surprise for the uh, the first show post-college football season, or what I'm going to call Absolutely. college football season. So excited for that. But right now, it's time to, you know, we got a little excited on this one. Got a little, you know, d- defensive maybe about some things, but it's time to Take a step back, light it up, and gather around the campfire. So this week is week 10 in the NFL. I think traditionally that is about the trade deadline in most fantasy leagues give or take give or yeah take. if you have a trade deadline and it's not just right. like the end of the season it's probably <laughs> around week 10 yeah so it's top of mind i know i've been making some moves my team right now my my uh my home league team it's in a, it's in a weird spot i'm i'm starting the the process of doing a little bit of a rebuild so trades top of mind right now and it it got me thinking who are the who are the prime cells right now in dynasty if you had to pick a select group of the top players right now if if you are a non-contender who holds x player now is your best opportunity to sell them who are those players and i'm asking you that yeah so i don't want to be annoying and because like you you see some of these like sell this guy buy this guy right. and it's like you know sell fucking james connor 
It's like nobody's nobody wants James. Oh, like maybe one guy wants James Conner that needs to bolster the Desperate RB room. Desperate contender, yeah. But. Right, but like, yeah, obviously you're gonna sell the right. twenty-seven-year-old running. Like that, that is not really getting down to it. So I went with some maybe spicier uh, sell ideas that hopefully you don't agree with, so we can have some heated conversation about it. Uh, but somebody that we alluded to earlier is Kadarius Tony. So Kadarius Tony gets traded to the Chiefs. Has you know his first game was not so you know interesting, but his second game was like oh, okay, this is the Kadarius Tony we've been waiting for. Uh, but we saw that twice last year, and only twice last year. Why is that? Because he's been hurt his entire career. And I don't know why we should expect to see Kadarius Tony healthy. And and so I, I hate to say, like, bet against the health of a player. But if there's anybody that we should expect to get hurt, unfortunately, uh, so far it's been Kadarius Tony because he's played, like, six games in two seasons and has only finished three of them. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, Tony wasn't a player that I was like exceptionally jazzed about. I mean, I liked him, but it wasn't like a, Hey, I love this player. And then he goes first round in the NFL and you're like, Oh damn. I just find it really funny that he has this hamstring issue and then he gets to Kansas City and it's like he's cleared. He's he's ready yeah. to go and then he has an <laughs> exceptional game in his second game and I'm just like, you know, I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but it just seemed like there was a lot of baggage going on with him in New York and I I might want to give him a chance. Just give him some run. See what happens right. here in this Chiefs, Chiefs offense. I, I get that, and I, that's why I want to sell him. Because yeah. I think a lot of people are, are in the same place where it's yeah. like, okay, he's on the Chiefs. I mean, Juju just went down. And you could trade him. And, like, in for three weeks, you could see Kadarius Tony be, like, the best player in NFL history. Uh, but there's, there's also a much more likely chance that this is, like, one of his few best games of this season and it's like oh the hamstring's back you know uh rolled the ankle i mean the way that he moves is just different than like anybody else and i think the reason people don't move like that is because you get hurt doing stuff like that <laughs> like it, your body's just not supposed to do the stuff that Kadarius tony does uh so i i mean it, it's it's kind of a bet against health uh, but it's also just like Kadarius Tony. Also, he's kind of a crackhead. I mean, if you ever see his post game, his like locker room, it's like he's a little, a little out there. <laughs> just, just in general. Yeah. I mean, what what are you selling for? Like, what is the price that you're like? This is the this is the move. See, that's that's where you're hoping that somebody's like, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, number one guy, you know, had six catches for 100-some yards and a touchdown. 
I, you, what you got to do is obviously every league is different, and this is where it comes to how do you trade, and that's that's a bigger picture. But I mean, like, if you can get like any first for Kadarius Tony, I'd do that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, do you have anybody else on your list? I have one other guy, but I'll let you go. Well, go ahead. Mine are all boring. <laughs> okay, this one is is very controversial. And I don't know how I feel about it. But I, I'm just going to say it for the content. Oh, boy. Uh, it's Damian Pierce. So, <laughs> so he's obviously getting all the work in Houston. But... I don't know if I want the running back on Houston for long-term when they have a ton of draft picks coming up in this next draft in 2023 class that is loaded with running back. And he's going to get the wheels run off of him this year. He's taken so many hits. That offensive line is putrid. I mean, it, it's just like I don't think it's going to get better in terms of production for Pierce than it is this year. It's always so alluring when you have these sorts of players to say to yourself, of course this can't be the guy. Because it's like all logic tells you you have this later round running back who gets brought into a situation where he is the running back by default. He looks good, but there's that lingering voice in your head that says, is this too good to be true? Like, did I really strike gold with Damian Pierce or do I sell right now, cash out at a hefty price for a person that really believes that this is a top 10, top 12 dynasty running back and just bet on bet on it bet on that this guy isn't that you know he does because i've seen the thing that's like this is a mold breaker because these guys don't the fourth fifth like they don't survive in the nfl uh aaron jones i think is like the only running back that started that has started for like x number of seasons like that was drafted after the third round or something and, I mean, that sits in your brain, and you're like, yeah, I should probably, like, he looks really good, but, like, I probably should try to get out while I can. It's just, like, you're you're potentially sitting on this, like, lottery ticket RB1 in Dynasty that you didn't expect to have that suddenly it's like, oh, do I have enough, do I have enough uh, intestinal fortitude? To, uh, to pull the trigger on a move like that. I don't disagree with you, though. I mean, I think it's definitely a, a name, at least, that you'd float out there just to see if somebody's like, yeah, man, I, I'm all aboard Damian Pierce. If you get somebody like that, then maybe, yeah, maybe it's worth it, especially if you can get a 2023 first. If you can get a 2023 first and something, I would say that's probably good enough for me. 
Yeah, it's so hard to, like, see the stuff that Pierce is doing. So this is kind of the cautionary tale that I learned from James Robinson. Is, like, you have this running back that's on a bad team that they didn't invest a ton into. And he just completely dominate, dominates, takes almost every snap as the running back one. I mean, gets all the goal line touches, and then they just take another running back, and then he's out the door as soon as they can get him out. And so that that's where it's like, I, I mean, pick 107 is a lot different. I mean, Pierce was selecting the fourth round. He's the the, I think the GM that took him is still there, uh, but I I don't know. It's it's hard to sit here and and hope that Pierce is going to be like Marshawn Lynch because that's what he's looked like. I mean, he's he's a freak and he is like dominant and he breaks every tackle. Uh, but it's hard to sit here and say like he's going to be that guy for you know six seven years i think i think the biggest hang up for me is the fact that he looked so good in college he and he just didn't get the ball yeah like there's this like part in the in like the back of my head where it's like if you're strictly like reading into like the logics of the analytics and you say this is a fourth round running back like that's a red flag but then it like kind of sits in your mind where it's like, but why was he a fourth round running back? Like what, uh, like his tape to me didn't look like that. Yeah. And it was just a matter of opportunity. So then it's like, now you see him in the NFL with a full workload and you see what he's doing. And you're kind of like, man, like, is this guy a mold breaker? Like, is this guy for real? And was it just a complete, you know, coaching you know malfeasance with florida not giving this guy the ball more and we couldn't get a proper eval on him because he's not touching the ball enough i that's the only thing with pierce that makes me pause and say like maybe this is a player that is going to defy this analytics group that is pushing you to sell because there's no way a fourth round running back can be good because that's what people are saying Big analytics. Big big analytics. Capital B. <laughs> yeah, I like I want to be wrong. Obviously I have Pierce in a league. Uh, so I I don't know what to do with him. And right. like I want to believe that he's gonna be break the mold and all that. And like I took him in the second round because I believe that he was more talented than his fourth round draft capital would suggest. And then I like, you think he's going to have the opportunity in Houston and he does. And he's, he's showing that he's great with it. And maybe they bolster the O line in the defense, grab Stroud and a wide receiver. And this never gets talked about again, but also they have two probably top 15 picks. I mean, they get a quarterback, it's Bijan range, man. Like, what if, the, like, what if the ETN hat thing just happens again, and they just take Bijan, and then we're stuck sitting here talking about Bijan and Damian Pierce in the backfield, 
and like, oh, what do we do about that? Like, it, it's just, it's so, so difficult projecting this far out, and when you're at the week ten trade deadline, and it's like, so do I sell this player expecting the Texans to take a running back to be stupid and take a running back instead of taking a tackle and a quarterback or a wide receiver and a quarterback? Like, it's, it's just so. That that's why I was hesitant to to say Pierce, but I think this is this is a good, good combo. It's a good combo that sheds light on how difficult it is right now to gauge what you have with Damian Pierce because, yeah. I mean, you said it. And James Robinson is a UDFA. It's a little bit different, but production is production at the NFL level. Yeah, and he looked phenomenal. He looked phenomenal as a, as a running back in the NFL for a full season with a full workload. So what happened there? That they had to invest a first-round pick in a different running back, and then two years later, James is gone. He's not even on the team, and Travis but Etienne is incredible. There's also the idea that Urban Meyer had player personnel insight, and True. Urban Meyer is a fucking debacle. But, I mean, the Jags still ended up trading James Robinson. It's not like they were loyal to James Robinson through and through. They still got rid of him. Right. So, um, yeah, damn. That was, like, two really (laughs) interesting guys, interesting discussions. Mine are all boring. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think a lot more about, like, the right age to dip out. Okay, yeah. Like... I've been trying to figure out, like, running backs, wide receivers. What is the right time to move on? And for running backs, I think it's age 28, and the science backs it up. Uh, There is a very, very sharp decline in uh, running back one seasons post uh, age 28, at, at 28 or later. So guys that are 27 right now are like Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. Derrick Henry's past 27. So, I mean, like, that's boring because obviously, like, if you're not contending, like, try to sell the older running backs on your team. But I think even if you have flexibility, it's now is the time if you really need to, you know, if you really are seeking that maximum value cash out point, I think that group of running backs is prime for the for the opportunity. I mean, because they're all performing exceptionally well. And it's always hard to sell players when they're performing exceptionally well. But we've seen so many times that all it takes is that one year. Yeah, I, I 28 seems right. It seems old. Like with running backs, you you sit here and you're trying to trade away a 26 year old, and people are like, mm, I don't know, right. that's a that's an old player, and so when when you're trying to to get off of a 27 year old like Dalvin or Aaron Jones, I, I mean, you I think at this point if if you have Dalvin Cook and you're on a you know a rebuild or a retool, you need to give him up you need to give him up for a first to a contender that may have lost a running back to injury or just might be light on running back you know get get a first from for him right now if it's 25 first that's fine 
like any any first in the future will pay off more than Dalvin Cook at that time. Uh, Aaron Jones, I, I think it's pretty much the same. I mean, I think Aaron Jones is a different kind of player. He doesn't take a lot of hits. He doesn't hasn't had a ton of carries in his career. I think he can last a little longer than that 28, and he, he plays a little different than a lot of running backs. He catches more passes. So I, I think Jones, he can, can last a little bit longer. Maybe that's a little bit of a you know, home bias, but he also got the extension. I mean, A.J. Dillon hasn't really panned out like everybody thought he would, where everybody was saying, like, oh, they took A.J. Dillon. He's going to take Aaron Jones' job. A.J. Dillon just looks far and away the worst running back just period and even though maybe the extension was a bad idea it's paying off because Aaron Jones looks better and I'm happy he's on the team so uh, he's the best skill player on the Packers and if Jordan Love is the quarterback next year god forbid then he's going to be getting a whole lot of touches so if you can't get out on Aaron Jones this year I I think you can you'll still have a window next year to get rid of him or in this offseason, but I think Dalvin is is the running back that, that you can ship off to a contending team. And that's not to say that Dalvin Cook or any of these other guys, I mean Nick Chubb, whatever, like that's not to say that next year they're gonna like be bad. <laughs> exactly. Like you can't you, yeah you have to sell with the expectation that next year might look the same, but you're also losing value because then nobody is going to want to pay what they're worth when they see the number 28. Because then you're talking about, oh, he's going on 29. Like, yes. that is, nobody's touching that. So it's a fine line of finding the age. And I think, you know, like you said, 26 makes people kind of put, you know, turn their nose up a little bit. If you can get a guy to 27 and he's having a good season, I think it's, it's right for the taking to just send him off wide receivers different story because i for the last few years have sort of had the same belief where it's like 27 28 maybe 28 with receivers going on 29 that's the time i want to sell i'm thinking you push it i'm thinking you push it till 30 it's 30 yeah i think it's 30 i think the I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's the rules of the NFL where you can't really touch receivers. But it seems like they just don't take any damage anymore, and so they can prolong their careers. And obviously it depends what kind of receiver it is. Because if you have one of these physical receivers, these like A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel kind of receivers where they are taking hits and maybe they're getting a few carries and, you know, whatever. It's like... Those, those receivers you might want to get out on a little earlier. But if you're looking at Devontae Adams, you know, Cooper Cup, who, who did just get hurt. But, I mean, it's a it's an ankle sprain. He'll be fine for next year, you would assume. But that's going to be his 30-year-old season. Um, but, I mean, Tyreek is 28. That That's somebody I have questions about just because of his, you know, the speed and if that's going to fall off with age, it hasn't looked like it so far. Um, you know, Tyler Lockett uh, is 29. Mike Evans is 29. Mike Evans is 29. That's crazy. 
I, I would have never guessed. Amari Cooper's 28. So you got these guys that are approaching, and then you got your, like, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen that are 30, where the, those are the guys that are in that range. And I, the, I, I would think about selling all those guys um, outside of maybe, like, Cup, because... I don't know why. Why sell cup at this point? <laughs> like I, I don't see a point in that. Um, but all those other guys. I mean, if you're not contending within the next uh, year or two, I, I don't see a reason to have them on your roster, especially with like Mike Evans, whose main calling card is contested catches and red zone targets and all that. And Tom Brady might be leaving. I mean, that I think that's a prime sell and. Hopkins, there's, I don't, I don't want any Cardinals, honestly. That whole situation is sad. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say 30 is about the right time, depending on the physicality of the player. But around 30. The top two scoring wide receivers right now in fantasy are both 28 years old. Is it Cup and Diggs? It's Tyreek and Diggs. Oh, that's right, Tyreek. Because Cup is 29. Yeah. So, I think it's it's one of those things where the numbers get scary the higher they go. But I think with wide receivers, you see this year in and year out, where the, the prime of somebody's career happens a little bit later than you think it is with wide receivers. So, what you got to do is buy a receiver when they're 28... Because, no, seriously. No, buy yeah, when no, I get it. I get because it. people people start to see that number get up there, yep. and then you go and get Stephon Diggs before this season, and you go get who, whatever you know, all all these twenty eight year old guys. I mean, Amari Cooper is having a great season with Jacoby Brissett at twenty eight years old, and you go get these guys, uh, and maybe sacrifice a, a young piece or whatever to go win now if you're if you're in that kind of situation go get your that that 28 year old receiver that people are starting to kind of you know get, get the little stink face with because he's 28 years old yeah and that's i mean that's exactly i, I had the exact experience with keenan allen two years ago where it's like i couldn't move him for va- for what he was worth because everybody saw 28 yep and he was he was fine he was great for the for those next two seasons now he yep. hits that 30 spot and now he is hurt and now he will not have value because nobody will want him period i mean so you're that i think that is the lesson here where i've tried to get a little bit ahead of it with some of these receivers like uh the mike evans of the world amari cooper these are all players that i've sold a little prematurely because they, it's not 27 like running backs. It is closer to 30. You will get those great seasons in the 27, 28, even 29 range. Uh, so that's so. So what you're saying is go get Calvin Ridley. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> so if you can trade Kadarius Tony for Calvin Ridley, go do that. I would do that. <laughs> well, there you have it. Now you know exactly what to do. Now I know what to do. 
because I don't know what I'm doing ever. So now I know how to go into the trade deadline this year and make effective moves for my team. Uh, me too. Nice. I, I I might make a few of these moves. <laughs> I might oh. go trade for Calvin Ridley tonight. Report back next week. <laughs> Calvin Ridley update. Um. All right. That is week eleven here at Camp Dynasty. If you enjoyed this week, leave us a review, ideally a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever else podcasts exist. I don't know. Maybe there's a Google thing. I think there is. Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah. Amazon Podcasts. You got the, the, the 10 loyal Stitcher listeners that are like, <laughs> we, we only listen to our podcasts over there. Um, so do that. And then follow us at Camp underscore Dynasty on Twitter. And on TikTok, we made it. Camp period dynasty oh. on TikTok because they there's two inactive accounts. One is Camp Dynasty and one is Camp underscore Dynasty. What? So who I, are I'm these see, imposters? I'm gonna see what I can do about that. <laughs> so yeah, Camp period Camp dot Dynasty on yeah. TikTok. Uh, gonna have some fun over there. So follow along with that. Um. And that's it. That's all I have for week 11. So thank you for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week. And have a great week.